Hola and welcome to Catholic View on this Friday evening. I'm Sheila Pitch. Thank you so much for joining me. Coming up in today's feature program, we'll take a look at DRC Congo as church leaders vow to fight on. But first, as usual, we begin with some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa. So do stay with me. Hi, I'm Archbishop Peter Wells, Apostolic Nuncio. Thank you for listening to Radio Veritas. The good news for a change. And in your headlines this Friday evening, preparations for World Day of Families in full swing. International Santa Marta Conference on Human Trafficking ends with papal audience. And South Sudanese Bishop receives prestigious peace award. Good evening once again. I'm Sheila Pirish. Preparations for the World Meeting of Families taking place in Dublin, Ireland in August are in full swing, and that's according to media and communications manager for the event, Brenda Drum. She spoke to Vatican News this week. There's loads happening, and we just marked the 200-day countdown to the World Meeting of Families last week. We were talking about the World Meeting of Families in terms of next year, and we're all getting used here in the World Meeting of Families office now to saying it's happening this year, and uh, uh, it's now... The months have changed into days and uh, very soon we'll be changing the countdown into into weeks as well. Uh, We we have a huge amount of different initiatives. We are talking in parishes now. A lot of parishes are using Lent to focus in on family and to talk about what family means to us today. We gave out over 750,000 of our beautiful icon cards uh, over over Christmas and on the Feast of the Holy Family. Uh, We also, as you said, have St. Patrick's Day coming up and we are issuing a bumper sticker and and a window stickers. With regard to the whole idea of, of, of preparation, how would you describe how preparations have been going for it? We're very happy with how preparations are going. We were conscious from the very beginning that we can't deliver this event without our wonderful volunteers. So we reckon we will need about 8,000 volunteers. So a huge part of our work at the moment is in encouraging people to sign up to be volunteers. We had our first training day with over 500 volunteers and we had we were really inspired by the, the calibre of the volunteers. We had young people travelling from the very top of the country, a three-hour journey down to Dublin to spend the day with us. So we're really being supported by people around Ireland and people around the world. We're at the stage where we have bookings from over 58 countries for the World Meeting Families. Meanwhile, the bishop in charge of laity, women and youth at Ghana's Catholic Bishops' Conference, Emmanuel Kofi Fiano, has encouraged Ghanaian Catholic families to make efforts to take part in the 2018 World Meeting of Families. Bishop Fiano said that despite the financial constraints for some who desire to be there, there is the need for Ghanaian Catholic families to make sacrifices and afford their time and finance to be at the meeting in person. 
Church leaders and heads of police departments from over 30 countries are in Rome to attend the International Santa Marta Conference on Human Trafficking. The meeting, which ended today with a papal audience, looked at ways to combat modern-day slavery. Prior to start of the meeting, English Cardinal Vincent Nichols of Westminster spoke to Vatican News about his concerns and achievements of the International Santa Marta Group over the past five years. Awareness has spread. There's still a long way to go, and we've just heard this morning of the work of awareness raising across Southern Africa. So now we're talking more about actions, and we're talking much more about the ways in which effective action and effective partnership is being achieved. So in a sense, to begin with, we were building trust on promises of what we would do. Now I think we're at the point of building trust on seeing the effectiveness of each other's actions. South Sudanese Bishop Paride Taban, a retired Bishop of Torit, has been given the Freedom of Worship Award, one of the four Freedoms Awards presented every other year by the Roosevelt Foundation in Middelburg, Netherlands. Colin York has more. The award recognizes the peace village he founded as the visible embodiment of his peacemaking efforts. The Foundation said the award was made to Bishop Taban for his lifelong and selfless dedication to the cause of bringing freedom and peace to the people of South Sudan. The 82-year-old bishop set up the Kuron Peace Village in 2005. In the village, young people and community leaders of all faiths learn how to live peacefully together and acquire skills in how to resolve conflict. They then bring these skills with them when they return to their community. In this citation, the Foundation said the Bishop's great wisdom and deep respect for different religions and cultures has enabled him to forge emotional bonds between otherwise battling groups, and that through his life's work he is keeping the flame of hope for peace alive not only by preaching the word of God, but also by living it. In more African news, the political standoff in Kenya between President Uhuru Kenyatta and self-declared People's President Raila Odinga has split the country. While Odinga's swearing-in ceremony on January 30th was symbolic, activists and analysts fear the government's heavy-handed response is moving the country toward authoritarian rule. VOA's Daniel Sheriff reports from Nairobi. Protesters marched on Thursday to Kenya's parliament building, demanding more diversity in President Uhuru Kenyatta's cabinet. But it's the choice of president that is dividing Kenya. Opposition leader Raila Odinga and his supporters say he was cheated out of victory in last year's election. This country is in a crisis. Anybody who is saying otherwise is living in denial. Odinga's so-called inauguration as the symbolic people's president went down well with supporters. But Kenyan authorities responded by suspending independent television broadcasts, arresting opposition leaders, and ignoring court orders to stop. If they allowed uh, Raila to go ahead and uh, people saw what happened, that would be it. I don't think it was going to, to, to cause much of an issue. But you see, they want to show you who is the boss. Kenya's chief justice issued a rare statement warning that the government's actions were against the constitution and threatening the rule of law.
I think what has been going on is taking us back to 1982 when we had a one-party state where people used to be picked, opposition used to be oppressed, and I think the state of the nation right now is not uh, very encouraging. But government supporters are skeptical of the opposition. I don't think the government is doing any wrong. We are in a situation where people don't value the government and they also disrespect it. Odinga is calling for fresh elections to resolve the standoff. I don't think there's going to be a winner. At the end of the day, it is the Kenyan people are going to be the biggest losers if this uh, kind of uh, face-off does not come to Andati says tribal undertones leave little room for a compromise that could unite Kenyans. As long as uh, Raila is still on the other side, you will have the, the Kikuyus and Kalenians will stick on the other side. So uh, it, it amounts to a zero-sum game, you know. Kenyans are watching to see who will make the next move. And finally, Bollywood is highlighting the issue of menstrual hygiene in a new comedy drama that aims to break taboos around sanitary pads. Speaking ahead of the film's opening in theaters worldwide this Friday, film producer Twinkle Kana said she adapted the film from a short story she had written, The Sanitary Men of Sacred Land. Padman is a movie which is based on a true story. It's uh, Muruga, Muruganantan Arunachalam's story, who is the inventor of the low-cost sanitary pad-making machine. And I thought this story was incredibly gripping because here was a man who was not very educated. He encountered a problem. He saw his wife was using rags, rags which he said were so dirty that he would not even clean his bicycle with them. And he they could not afford sanitary pads, commercial sanitary pads, so he decided to make a low-cost sanitary pad. Woman strong, mother strong, sister strong, then country strong. So when I started doing research, um, you know, I was doing a column for the Times of India, and at that point I felt that it was a problem that was primarily Indian, where 20%, 23% of Indian women are using sanitary pads and tampons, and the rest are not which means that they're using rags and leaves and sometimes ash. Uh, this leads to three different ramifications. One is disease. So you have fungal infections, you have reproductive tract infections, you have links to cervical cancer, uh, infertility. The second is we talk about empowering women, and then we realized in our research that 20% of schoolgirls uh, drop out once they begin menstruating. So that, again, holds them back. And the third is the shame and taboo around it, where it's uh, just a natural part of our biology. In fact, it's the most important part of our biology because without that, our species would be extinct. I don't know if my work will change things, but I do know that if everyone gives a little bit, inch by inch, we will change. We will change a mindset, and it might take a generation, but we all have to try, don't we? And that was a brief look at some of the stories that made headlines this Friday in the Catholic Church and in Africa. Thank you once again for joining me this Friday evening. I'm Sheila Pirsch and you are listening to Catholic View. Coming up next is our feature program. Today we take a look at DRC Congo and how church leaders vow to fight on. Nalingio. Oh, oh, oh. 
A series of demonstrations calling for Kabila to step down have been brutally suppressed in recent weeks. Security forces killed seven people during protests on 31st December and six people while dispersing an anti-Kabila protest on January 21st. The protests have been led by the Catholic Church. Last month, Cardinal Laurent Mosengo, the most senior church official in the DRC, described the country as an open prison. The political instability and an escalation of inter-ethnic conflict have raised fears of Congo sliding back into wars like those of the 1990s when millions died, mostly from hunger and disease. Joseph Kabila, the president of the Democratic Republic of the Congo, whose refusal to step down at the end of his mandate in 2016, will not stand in elections due to be held this year. And that's according to Lambert Mende, the Minister of Communications of the DRC, who spoke in an interview with Al Jazeera. In that same interview, the DRC communication minister claimed that his country was a true democratic country and that the reported numbers of those killed is a lie. Uh, in December 2016, 62 people killed. No. In August 2017, 27 people lie, killed. Lie, uh, that, That's 89. Lie. That's not on the 7 in December. Without names. That's 96. Without that's not on the 6 in January. They can write fake oh, reports. fake news. They have been confrontation between terrorist elements you call them terrorists. and our soldiers. No one agrees with you. No, no, no. In Kananga. Not in Kinshasa. Not in Kinshasa. How many people have been killed? Demonstration. Nobody were killed during the demonstration. The minister also stated that the West is cutting ties with the DRC because of the country's relationship with China. Some Western wow. countries are unhappy because we are giving now Partnership with Western countries China. are unhappy. Some, some partners like okay. Belgium. Okay. And what about the respected head of the Catholic Church in your country, mm -hmm. who has compared life in Congo to living in an open prison? We have That's a devastating no problem with the Catholic Church in Congo. Let me tell they you. have a problem the with truth. you, it looks like. We have problem with some prominent clergymen who are acting as politicians. How about the head of the Catholic Church? No, we, the Catholic Church does not have a head. This is what he says. How can you Any kill? diocese have its own How authority. can you kill men, women, children, youths, and old people we all chanting religious songs? This is what he says. Are we now living in an open I'm prison? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Are we now living in an Nobody open prison? Nobody were killed during demonstration. Cardinal Laurel Masonga of says, course. are we now living in an open prison? It's a very simple question. <laughs> it is the clergyman who is acting as a politician who said so, but not the Catholic Church. Okay, so and he, he was disowned by many other Bishops. Okay. Under the Catholic so you just Church. dismiss the bishop as well. Him, we dismiss him. Why? Because, because he doesn't like your business relationship with China. He's a politician. Okay. The leaders of the Catholic Church in the Democratic Republic of Congo have vowed to continue fighting. The church has organized many protests, and Congolese living in the diaspora have also added their voices. Here in South Africa, the Congolese community will be having another anti-Kabila march on the 15th of February. Chancellor of the Johannesburg Archdiocese, Father Jean-Marie Diro, spoke to me about the upcoming march. Yes, dear Shiva, it's uh, another march to push uh, Kabila to respect the Constitution and uh, to organize the elections uh, uh, at the time as required by the Constitution. I will say, yes, Sheila, it's another anti-Kabila march that the Congolese community or the Francophone community of uh, Johannesburg, Pretoria and the surroundings are organizing 
this coming 15 of February. Uh, the details of this march on the 15 of February, the location first of the march will be uh, Yeovil. We will gather at Yeovil Recreation Center marching, and then we will end at uh, Yeovil Community School, where we have hired that uh, ground of uh, the school to end our march there with an ecumenical worship or an ecumenical service, because we will be not only as Catholics, but all Congolese of uh, different uh, denominations and pastors who, uh, the Francophone pastors of the Protestant churches and the Evangelical churches. So we will end there at the uh, Yeovil Community School with an ecumenical service of prayer for the people of Congo. The march will start at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning and uh, it will end at 2 uh, o'clock in the afternoon. And then during that march where we will be uh, speaking about uh, the cause of Congo and how the people are suffering to make aware our fellow uh, South Africans and the Africans and the many other uh, nationalities who live in South Africa and in uh, Johannesburg and Pretoria and then all over the country to know uh, what is going on in, in, uh, in Congo. Uh, let me add, dear Sheila, that's the program of the 15th of February. But on the 18th of February, there is a mass now that will be also uh, uh, said in memory of all those who have died in, uh, for the cause of Congo. I mean, uh, you will recall on the 16th of February, 1992, Christian uh, uh, Catholics who marched, who wanted uh, the dictator Mobutu to leave uh, uh, the country or the power, killed so many who marched on that day. And then uh, again, on the 31st of December 2017, many died. Always people who marched, who wanted democracy to prevail in the country. On the 20th of December, again, 2016, we had, again, people who died. And if we go down again on the 18th, 19th, and the 20th of January 2015, many people died again in Congo because they are protesting against this very same regime. And recently, on the 21 of January 2018, again, many people died because of the, 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 the cause of uh, democracy in the country. And uh, for their memories and for their souls to rest in peace, we are organizing a mass on the 18th of February, that's Sunday the 18th, at 2 p.m. at the parish of St. Francis in Yeovil. So that will be another event after the 15th of February, the March and the Ecumenical Service. But on the 18th of February, 2 p.m., Mass in memory of all these martyrs, Christian martyrs who have died for the cause of our country. That These are the events that we are organizing here in South Africa. And then who will be the main celebrants on the 18th of uh, February? On the 18th of February, I will be the main celebrant myself and uh, my other fellow uh, uh, Francophone uh, priest will be joining me uh, uh, for, for celebration. And the masses will be uh, celebrated in French. What's the situation back in the DRC? The situation back in DRC is uh, very uh, tense. It is uh, always, as you know, it's not good, especially for the population. So the situation is not that good. And uh, those who speak, some of them are being found uh, into uh, forcing to, to go uh, to exile. As I heard recently, one of the 
the, 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 the Protestant uh, priest who also spoke strongly against the uh, Kabila regime is now into uh, exile, he's gone into exile as of we here. So the situation is very tense. And this is not only for the Congolese community here in South Africa, I mean the march that is being prepared, but it's all over the world where Congolese diaspora is. There are so many marches being organized this week and next week in order to uh, uh, support uh, the, our compatriots who are back home and uh, to push this regime to, to step down. But then, Father, isn't it dangerous? I mean, I remember the last time the church organized the march uh, against Kabila, there was a shutdown of Internet. There was a shutdown of social networks so that people wouldn't communicate. And on top of that, some priests, like you've mentioned uh, before, a priest was arrested and others were beaten. Some were killed. How does the church feel about it, having another march on the 15th of February? Do authorities know about this? Have they been given the go-ahead? Yes, uh, Shiva, the situation as it is now, the Catholic Church Church has taken uh, the lead in uh, organizing all these marches uh, against uh, the regime, and uh, especially the lay people in the church are the one in the forefront. And uh, the government of Kabila is still refusing to uh, uh, grant permission for people to march. They are always uh, oppressing those who go out to march. And uh, almost on a daily basis that we hear, or weekly, that we hear one priest has been kidnapped from this parish, another one after two days kidnapped and released. And the motive of them being kidnapped is just because they are behind the people of God. But that does not uh, uh, let the people or the church to, 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 to be tired and to give up because the cause that the church is now uh, pursuing is a genuine cause for the good of the people. Uh, recently, as we heard uh, on the news that the Pope just appointed um, the Archbishop of one of the towns in, in Congo, uh, the Archbishop of Mbandaka is now the new coadjutor uh, Archbishop of Kinshasa in line or, uh, of uh, uh, taking over from the Cardinal, uh, from the Archbishop of Kinshasa, Cardinal Mosengo. So many on the side of the government uh, were clapping their hands that now indeed the Archbishop of Kinshasa is being removed. So they don't understand how even the church works. So the church will never back uh, 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 off as long as the people whom they save are suffering. So that's how we see it, uh, dear Sheila, that we don't need any permission from any government in order for us to speak about justice, to speak about peace, to speak about equality, to speak about uh, the, 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 the suffering of the people. And I must say that these marches that have been organized by the church, uh, be it in the DRC or in other French-speaking countries, have actually got the attention. Uh, I think somehow people are talking about this. I mean, Pope Francis himself, for example, did mention that we should be praying for countries such as uh, Sudan, South Sudan and the DRC. And, of course, we also heard about the United States of America uh, cutting ties with some of the ministers 
officials who they were dealing with, accusing them of being involved in this uh, violence that's taking place in, uh, in the DRC. We've also heard on the news recently, for example, Belgium has cut ties also with the DRC because of the human rights violations. So I think more and more uh, people are becoming to be aware, are starting to be more aware of the exact situation in the DRC. And partly, I would say, it thanks to the Catholic Church who has come out and actually voiced their concerns and put the people of the country first. Yes, indeed, dear Sheila. That's a very good uh, uh, observation that you have made there. And again, uh, we are very happy that the world is now uh, uh, waking up uh, for the cause of uh, the people of Congo. As you have mentioned, America, Belgium, the situation even between Belgium and uh, Congo is very tense. As you know, Belgium was the country that colonized the Congo. The government of uh, uh, Belgium have... Um, done uh, so many things recently, and but also uh, in, in, in replication, the government of Congo had to close the, 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 the consulate of Congo that is uh, in, in Belgium, in the city of uh, Anvers. They have to close even the, the visa facilitation center of the European Union that was based in Kishasa. So all that because Belgium is speaking bold and Belgium has taken the side of uh, the people of Congo. So we are indeed happy that uh, the world is now becoming aware. And my wish and my prayer, dear Sheila, is that so many African countries take this uh, uh, to, to heart and start speaking, not on the uh, uh, taking side of the people, not taking side of uh, the, the Kabila, the dictator, and his regime. But so far, so many African countries are very quiet. And uh, even the Sadek region where Congo falls, none of the, the, these countries will speak. And uh, my prayer is that we also own the situation in Africa that we speak on behalf of uh, or support the people of uh, uh, the Congo who are suffering. All right. Father Jean-Marie, thank you so much for your time and for all the updates. I don't know if there's anything else you'd like to add. I just wanted to add that... Uh, we will be in prayer with uh, our Pope, uh, the Holy Father, Francis, who called for this uh, day of prayer on the 23rd of February, that the day be a day of prayer and uh, fasting for the cause of Congo and South Sudan. And indeed, on that day, we call all our fellow brothers and sisters, Catholics and non-Catholics, to join the Holy Father for that day of prayer. Thank you very much, dear Sheila. May God bless you and uh, bless Radio Veritas for the work that you are doing to pass the message to everybody to know what is going on in the country and in the continent.
Nani alinga kiko le kayo na makasi Lelo na mokili mubimba Batuba komona yo elembo ya pasi Zambe, zambe Toko chayeli kia nabiso Paina yo that brings me up to time. This has been your Friday's edition of Catholic View, a program produced and presented by Sheila Pirsch for Radio Veritas. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back again on Tuesday at the same time. Until then, do have a blessed weekend. I'm Sheila Pirsch. <laughs>